Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, December the 30th of 2020. We have finally, we're finally arriving into the end of the year and about to start a new one. And what a year it has been. But what a pleasure for us to be here with you, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and myself. As always, we consider it an honor and a privilege to bring the Word of God, to handle the Word of God, and to be able to spend this time uh, at least Monday through Friday and, and more when the Lord causes us to do it, to spend this uh, precious time with you, the listener. We want you to know how much uh, that we pray for you and how much we appreciate the time that you take uh, to not just be with us on these uh, podcasts and be able to study the Word of God with us, but we can feel your faith and we feel your prayers. And and thank you uh, for whenever we get a chance to hear the testimonies of what God is doing in your lives and how these podcasts have helped you in your walk with the Lord. So we want to get into the Word uh, of God today. We are excited as always. Nothing, there's nothing much better than to do this, open the Word of God. This is not just a book that that is historical. It is a book that has life in it, and it contains all the answers that man searches for. Everything we see happening, as uh, Brother Fernando was saying, as we were talking earlier, is already in the book. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's already been foretold by the Word of God. And so we are living, as we said, in exciting times as children of God, ever looking to the soon coming and return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to get into the word of God today. We pray that you are ready, your heart's ready, as we discuss what God has placed uh, in your heart, Brother Marty. We'll leave it to you uh, to speak and to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Amen. We, As always, we're praising the Lord as we're cutting close to the end of the most incredible year in of my lifetime, the year 2020, and so much is happening. And uh, before we get into our study today, I, I just want to thank uh, all of you out there who uh, who've been praying for my father-in-law Roy and mother-in-law Beulah Chacon. As you know, we asked you, uh, I believe it was on Monday, uh, to pray for them. <clears throat> they were both diagnosed with with the coronavirus and it, it, it really, really hit them very, very hard. Uh, my father-in-law is still in the hospital uh, battling this most insidious thing. Uh, but I want to bring a, a good report to you today. Uh, he is uh, off the, uh, the particular breathing machine he had been on, which was the last step before a ventilator. <laughs> and he has been steadily and incrementally improving and uh, he's still struggling with the oxygen and and he's very very weak but uh, on Sunday it didn't even look like he was going to make it through the day and so we we are here uh, three days later and and, uh, we're hearing some promising and hopeful reports and we know that this is a an answer to prayer and and all of you who have prayed out there we just want to thank you Uh, uh, it means a lot to us, we have a precious sister from Canada who called in, and, and uh, she heard the the podcast, and and she was very good friends with with my mother and father in law, and she commit, uh, told us how she, she was praying up there in Canada, and I just want to thank her personally. 
as well as my mother-in-law who continues to to, to fight and she's strong uh, and and is continuing to improve as well. So these are good signs and prayer works and, and, we, and we want you to know that we're praying for you as well. And uh, and we're looking forward to uh, to the complete restoration of our parents as well as your loved ones who we pray for every single day as well and your family. So thank you very much. And uh, and now without further ado here, we give all glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna begin our study today in the Gospel of St. Matthew. Uh, we're gonna be looking continuously as always at the prophetic scriptures and the times that we're living in to see exactly where we are as we close out 2020 heading into 2021, the Lord is truly speaking. So. Brother Jeremy, would you please begin our study today by reading Matthew 26. Could you start with verse 35 and read through verse 37 as we begin our study today in the name of Jesus and for his glory we pray. Amen. Brother Jeremy. Amen. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Amen. So the Lord told him in verse 36, he took them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said, sit you here while I go and pray yonder. You know, these last days of 2020 have seen some incredible signs. As if 2020 hasn't already seen uh, events that taken by themselves would be prophetic in nature. You know, the global pandemic, the entire world being on lockdown in the United States, riots throughout the summer, anarchy. Uh, in the streets, uh, the police being powerless, the, the government completely divided, and then into a into a crazy, crazy election season as we've been talking about signs in the heavens. But like we've been discussing in our podcast over the last couple of weeks, and in particular, uh, we saw a sign in the heavens appear again, and we continually go back to it over the last few days because we believe it's very significant. And the Lord told us to pay attention. As a matter of fact, he told us that just before his return, there would be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars. And that's indeed what happened on December the 21st of 2020, just a few days ago, uh, what NASA called uh, the great conjunction of, of 2020. You know, and what we saw was extraordinary, and it continues to be in the sky. It's just not as close as it was on that night, the night of the winter solstice, which happens to be the shortest day of the year and the longest night. And what we saw in the heavens was a conjunction of Jupiter, uh, which is traditionally the king planet, and Saturn, traditionally known as the, the planet of, of the devil himself. And those two planets came together in a celestial event that we haven't seen in over eight centuries. And it just happened to appear at the close of 2020. And in the constellation of Capricorn, or Capricornus as, it know, as it's known, in the constellation of the goat, 
and the goat man, half goat and uh, part goat and part fish, uh, which we won't get into today. But these are all symbolic declarations in the heavens, quite possibly, as we've been discussing, that as we close out 2020 and that this particular sign in the heavens appeared, it's quite possible, as we've discussed, and we encourage you to go back and listen to our podcast over the last several days, and there you'll find a great discussion on these things. Uh, we believe that the that the signs in the heavens might and quite possibly are foretelling that the 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 wicked one, the son of perdition, is what is being announced from the heavens. The king planet conjoining with the satanic planet in the house of the goat on the day of the winter solstice, and the first time anything of this nature has been seen in over eight centuries at the close of 2020. We need to take note. And so we believe that what is quite possibly being announced, one, that it occurred on the winter solstice, as we spoke of before, symbolically what that might be telling us, being the day that has the shortest amount of light and the longest amount of nighttime or darkness. It is possible that what's being announced is that the light that we have known and the light uh, and the opportunity that we've had where the declaration of the gospel is coming to an end. There's just a little bit of light left. Jesus said we must work while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. And that is what the winter solstice is. It's, a, it's the shortest day followed by the longest night. But then this great conjunction, as the Lord told us to pay attention to the signs in the heavens, it is quite possible what is what is being told us is we have entered into the end of days, the end time. We're not setting dates, but we're paying attention. And so as we've discussed those things, we encourage you again, if you're just joining us, go back and listen to those podcasts because something is being declared, something we need to be paying attention to. But I brought that up because in my research, I came across something else, something else that could, uh, could be you know, really considered another sign. There was another sign, I believe, that occurred and what's interesting is it also occurred on the same day as the Great Conjunction. But truly, uh, you know, largely it's gone unnoticed. And uh, it's, it's gone unnoticed by most in the church as it pertains to prophetic understanding. It occurred on the same day of the Great Conjunction on December the 21st. And uh, I read about it in an article uh, that appeared uh, in the newspaper in, in Jerusalem, the Times of Israel. And the Times of Israel announced something incredibly astounding on the same day as the sign in the heaven we were just discussing uh, was occurring. Something was found in Israel on that same day. A great archaeological find took place. It's an archaeological find that I believe the Lord Jesus allowed to be announced from Israel on the same day of what, uh, you know, of, of what the 2020 Great Conjunction in the heavens was announcing. Again, we, we believe that what was, what's, what's being told us by the Great Conjunction of 2020 is that that wicked one is in the wings. It's being announced. But on that same day, the Lord allowed something to be announced, and something was discovered in Israel. And I believe it was in order to alert those within the church 
to understand what is lying ahead and what our response should be, especially as we head forward into 2021. I'm going to read to you that article. I have it here with me. And uh, and let's just check out what happened. This is on December the 21st. It was published in the Israeli Times, uh, December 21st, 2020, at the same time the conjunction in heaven was occurring. Earlier that day, something was discovered in Israel. This is an article written by Amanda Borchel, <laughs> and her last name is Dan. I just noticed that. <laughs> All right, let's read. <laughs> so, uh, the title of the article is The Ancient Ritual Bath uh, May Mark the First New Testament Era Find of Jesus at Gethsemane. Gethsemane is the olive grove where Jesus spent the, a night of agony. He accepted his betrayal. He was arrested ahead of his crucifixion and has, until now, there has been no physical link to the Second Temple era. This, now, you got to remember, this is being written by unbelieving Jews. And so they have actually have said, archaeologically speaking, we have never found anything within the confines of Jerusalem that could actually link some of the information revealed in the gospel story to the Second Temple era. So this is what makes this so extraordinary. And, and this is what she, what she said and what she wrote. A, a Second Temple era ritual bath that was recently uncovered was uncovered on Jerusalem's Mount of Olives at the site believed to be the New Testament Gethsemane. It's being touted as the first evidence that links the pilgrimage site to the period in which Jesus lived. Now, according to all four Gospels, it is at Gethsemane, which idiomatically means the pressing of the olive in Hebrew. It is there that Jesus spent a night of agony, pay attention to this, following the Last Supper. He accepted his eventual betrayal, and his execution, he was arrested by the temple guards of the Sanhedrin. Now, she goes on to say, for the first time, we have archaeological evidence that something was here in the second temple period in the days of Jesus. This was reported by the Israeli Antiquity Authority of Jerusalem, uh, the head of the uh, Jerusalem Antiquity Department, Amit Raim, on Monday. Now, he goes on to say that the Second Temple era ritual baths, they're not particularly unusual for archaeologists to uncover. As a matter of fact, there's dozens of similar baths doting the land of Israel, if not hundreds, Reem told the Times of Israel. However, this ritual bath, also known as the mikvah, it represents the first time, listen to these words they're using, the first time there is any physical archaeological evidence at the traditional site of Gethsemane, where Christians have made pilgrimages for centuries. It's the first time we found evidence that actually verify the gospel and connect it to the New Testament era. Now remember, it was discovered on the same day as the Great Conjunction, and we're going to get into why that's important and why we need to pay attention to this and the connections prophetically that we're going to 
that were quite possibly having be, be revealed to the church. While the great conjunction was being, for all intents and purposes, announced to the whole planet in the heavens, this particular information that we're sharing with you right now has not been widely made available in the sense that most of the world could care less about archaeological finds in Israel, let alone Jerusalem. But the discerning within the church, if 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 they will understand what's being said here and that it occurred precisely on the same day and how it happened, it's really extraordinary. And I think I think it's prophetic and I think we're being shown another sign. And I think it is meant for those who understand its meaning. Um, and the fact that it occurred on that same day is very telling. Let's go on what he goes on to say. It's not from the mikvah that we're so excited, but rather the interpretation, the meaning of it. Because despite there being several excavations in the place since 1919 and beyond, and that there were several findings from the Byzantine and Crusader eras and others, there has never been one piece of evidence from the time of Jesus ever found. Until now. December 21st, 2020. He goes on to say that the existence of the bath is a gift from God. The first and so far only evidence of the second temple period at the site. It came during, listen to this, listen how they found it on December the 21st, just a few days ago. This was happening as, as we're about to witness the great conjunction of 2020 that night. During that day, uh, this is how they found it. It came during a chant cave-in in uh, it came during a chance cave-in during uh, the construction of a tunnel that is linked to the modern church of the nations in the Kidron Valley as they're preparing to create a new visitor center. So they're digging around this this church that was established in the middle of the 1100. And they're they're trying to clean it up, and they're actually going to build a visitor center to it. It's built right where Gethsemane is. And as they're digging there, uh, there's a cave-in that occurs. And when that cave-in happens, it says, since then, the Israeli Antiquities Authority and the students from the uh, Studium Biblicum Franciscum, whatever that is, have carried out the complete salvage of the excavations at the location. Now, listen. Excavations uh, were also undertaken at the foot of the 1920s church in the Kidron Valley, a different church, where remains of a Byzantine church and a Crusader-era monastery were also unearthed. According to the Israeli Antiquity uh, Department's press release, the church was used from circa 6th century AD, CE as they call it, uh, through the 8th century which was after the Muslim conquest. Now check this out. While they're cleaning this place up on December the 21st, and, and while the, uh, uh, when they write this article, and while they're doing their you know, archaeological stuff, they, they point out this, this thing that is written on the floor. It's written on the floor where the excavations are occurring. And listen to what he says. On the church's floor, a Greek inscription was discovered stating, and this is what they found written on the floor, for the memory and the repose of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross 
O God, who has received the sacrifice of Abraham, accept the offering of your servants and grant to them the remission of sins. Amen. That was what was written on the floor. Now, while they're reading this and cleaning this place up, suddenly the floor caves in and they find this ritual bath, the mikvah, attached to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the inscription was jointly deciphered by Dr. Leah D. Segni of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and Dr. Rosario Pieri of the Franciscan Institute. Now, according to the Israeli Antiquities Department excavation director, David Yeager, it is interesting to see that the Byzantine-era church was being used, and many have even been founded at the time when Jerusalem was under Muslim rule showing that the Christian pilgrimages to Jerusalem continued during this period as well. One of the reasons he points that out is because there's really been no evidence, but the fact that they discovered this church from like the 1100s uh, and that was written on the floor, uh, he was basically saying it kind of lent credence to the authority of the Gospels, although we never were able to tie any other archaeological thing to the Garden of Gethsemane as the Gospels portray that Jesus went there because there's nothing around up until that point that they had ever found that could tie the garden to the actual uh, second temple era, which is the temple that Jesus walked in. But then they kind of thought, well, the fact that Christians keep coming here as early as the 1100s, or the sixth century, I should say, um, that lent some scholarly summations to the fact that it was a real place. And they even came there even when the Muslims were controlling Jerusalem. So that's what excited them about that. But he goes on to say uh, in, uh, let me see here. He goes on to say that, uh, that according to Jewish law, what they found while they were cleaning this place up, like I said, on the very day of the conjunction, the floor gave in. The inscription I just read you was above, speaking about Jesus, his cross, his atoning work on Calvary. And while they're reading this thing, apparently, as they're excavating and, and cleaning up and preparing it for, uh, for you know, to do some construction and have a visitor center there by Gethsemane, the floor caves in where they're, where they're you know, building. And they, they fall into this place and they discover a mikveh, a ritual purification where they would bathe their feet, their hands, as they would go into the Garden of Gethsemane. Because the Garden of Gethsemane was the place where the ritual wine and oil was pressed out for the use of holy anointing oil in the temple. That's where Jesus led his disciples. And according to this mikvah, this, this bath they found, according to Jewish law, listen to this, when you are producing wine or oil, you need to be purified. That's what they found on the same day. That's what they said about it. On the same day, we have this announcement in the heavens, quite possibly telling us that a Judas is coming. The son of perdition is coming. On the same night that that's happening around the world, in Israel earlier in that day, the mikvah that verifies Gethsemane was found. And the article was written later that night and announced from Jerusalem, we have found something that verifies Gethsemane actually was, was, uh, was the place that Christ went. And we can now verify 
that it was around the second temple period. We know where the garden is. They found the garden. They were able to verify this is the actual garden where Christ went. Now, so then what are we to conclude by this? Is it a coincidence? Or is it possible that we're being told something? So this got me to thinking. And you guys jump in at any time you want, right? As always. This got me to thinking, brothers. 2020, when we began our podcast, even, when we first began, uh, it, 2020, if you remember, the global lockdown, the coronavirus, the plague, all of that was happening <clears throat> during the time of Passover, the time of the, the Last Supper, right? That's what Passover is. I mean, it's the Last Supper time. That, that's that's the whole gospel story, and, and we encourage you to go back, our listeners that have joined us somewhere in the balance of the year, and listen to those early podcasts, because that's really when it started. We actually started, I think it was March the 19th, but we were just a couple of weeks away from Passover. The Passover season was in full swing, preparation and everything. So 2020 began with the Passover, and now what's interesting to me is 2020 is closing out with this incredible discovery at the Mount of Olives at Gethsemane which is precisely the pattern that we see in the gospel story. Think about it. 2020 begins in the Passover season, which tells the story of the Last Supper and what happened there. And 2020 is now ending with a discovery, a major discovery being announced from Jerusalem that has to deal with ritual purification in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's exactly what happened in the upper room. And that's how our year began. It began in the in a uh, season of the Last Supper, and it's now ending 2020 with a discovery at Gethsemane. In the Gospels, it tells that story. They're in the Passover Supper, and when it's concluded, they now go to Gethsemane. That's what we began with our study today, the reading of how he led them from that Last Supper to Gethsemane. Are we being told? that as 2020 began with the celebration of the Passover, the Last Supper, and now 2020 is ending with this major discovery that points us to Gethsemane and ritual purification, are we beginning to enter into that prophetic fulfillment as we close out 2020 and head into 2021? So let's briefly revisit then these two events, all right? Now remember, a ritual cleansing has to occur according to the the Israeli Antiquity Department, this was a tradition, uh, a ritual cleansing has to occur before someone enters Gethsemane. So let's take a look. Brother John, uh, Brother Jeremy, would you read, would you read uh, John's Gospel? I was going to say, Brother John, would you read Jeremy's Gospel, but that wouldn't be too good. So here we go. <laughs> John chapter 13, could you read to us verse 1? Thirty-five. As we as we as we look at the pattern here, this is the Last Supper. Yes. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended. The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. As we know, the principle of, of the Bible is this, Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 in there, I believe it is, is, is the key given to us to biblical interpretation, which is the Lord declares the end of all things from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are yet to be. So if we see in the pattern of the Passover a foreshadow of a, of a larger end-time truth, then what we are actually witnessing then quite possibly in 2020 is just that, because it really was centered around Passover time. There's something interesting in verse 1 here that, that we see, and that is this. It says that Jesus knew in verse 1. Can you read that again, Brother Jeremy? Jesus knew. Yes. And when Jesus knew, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. All right. So the first thing that we have here is that what appears to be revealed to us is that in the Passover season, we're told here, that that knowledge uh, that the Lord had a particular kind of knowledge, He knew that His hour was come, and that it was going to result in Him departing this world and and going to the Father. I believe that the Spirit of God is beginning to cause people to understand something about this whole 2020 experience and where we're headed in the future, in the in the not too distant future, in in the next few days, actually 2021. This year began in a Passover season, and we sensed that it was it was something far different uh, than than just the obvious. We you know there was many people running around thinking it was all going to be over in a day or two, but really what's unfolded since that Passover season of early March and April of 2020, uh, it, you know we've all experienced together, and we've seen the world move in a direction that's absolutely insane. And we've had the globalists, the elite, the powers that be declaring this global reset, this new world order, so forth and so on. We don't need to rehearse the whole thing. The point of the matter is, is that it triggered something in this, this story of the Passover. And while I'm, I, I, don't forget, we're connecting this to this sign that took place in Israel at the same time uh, that the conjunction of 2020 was happening. We're concluding the year with a sign that's all about Gethsemane. And so this whole story that we're looking at right now flows in that direction. It begins with the supper. It ends with Gethsemane. The year began in the Passover season. It's ending now with a major discovery at Gethsemane. I believe the Lord's saying something. One of the things that that should trigger within us as we look at the scriptures here is exactly what the Lord, uh, what, what, what's being described about the Lord is that he knew his hour was come. I think what God is revealing to us and what we should begin to allow the Spirit of God to process into our minds and hearts, 
how many times have we said throughout the years, people are having a very hard time wrapping themselves, wrapping their minds around the possibility that we've actually entered the end of time. But I think as the days have gone on, and, and if you've spent any time with us as we've looked at the scriptures, I think it's become more than obvious. We indeed have entered into those prophetic times. We believe it's the end of time. But what we see here in chapter 13, verse 1, is a knowledge is given. He knows that his hour is come, that he should depart out of the world and go to the Father. I believe that these events, uh, you know, that began at the Passover season of 2020 were meant to do just that, to trigger us within us something that would cause us to understand the hour has come. We know what hour is ahead because we know the gospel story, what this is talking about. But it doesn't end with just a simple uh, you know, intensity and then, a, you know, a tragedy of the cross and that's it. It's, it's, it's culminating with something. He knows his hour has come, but he also knows he's going to the Father. There is a church alive today that's beginning to have this sense. And it's going to grow more pervasive as we enter in the next few days and, and, and the coming months ahead of us. That the hour indeed has come. And that we are headed to that wonderful reunion with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just as the Lord knew, so his church is going to know. Another thing that occurs here is that in verse 2, our attention now begins to be drawn at the Passover season in, in, in this story, their attention begins to be drawn to verse 2. Could you read verse 2, Brother Jeremy? And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So immediately at, at this time, what, what also is made uh, clear to us and what is now being revealed to us is that the betrayer is now reached his point. He's right on the edge of doing what he's going to do. And as we've talked about many times before, it's Judas. It's he's the foreshadow of of the Antichrist. He he is the only one that is described in the Bible as having uh, literally uh, been taken possession of by Satan himself. That's why we call him the foreshadow of the Antichrist. So the two are connected. And we're looking and examining at the prophetic pattern here so that we understand where we are now. Now listen, one of the things that they didn't know as we go on into this is that they didn't realize it yet, but the Lord was about to lead them to Gethsemane. That they were going to have this Passover event and then the next thing that would come their way would be a revelation of the Antichrist, if you will, this Judas. And after that revelation, they go toward Gethsemane. But before they go to Gethsemane, they have to be ritually cleansed. They don't know he's leading them there, but he's going to ritually cleanse them because they're about to go to Gethsemane. And that is a necessary component because Gethsemane is where the precious oil is squeezed out of the olive by crushing it. There is a there is a pressing and a crushing of the spirit. It's been really happening to many all over the world all this year, but it's going to pick up with intensity. 
And I don't think it's an accident that on the very same night that the heavens seem to be declaring that the wicked one, that Judas-like figure in, in total, is about to be uh, brought forth into the planet, or it's quite possibly being announced that he's already here and waiting in the wings. On that same exact day, at Gethsemane in Jerusalem, they discover the ritual bath, that purifying that takes place before you get to Gethsemane and the precious oil is produced. We see the same pattern here. We see an announcement of Judas in verse 2, and then we see Jesus rise before he's made known to his disciples, and he begins to wash their feet. Now listen, in verse 5 it says he poured water into a basin and begins to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. They don't know it yet, but he's purifying them because they're about to go to Gethsemane. And many of us have not understood all the implications of what's been happening, the different trials, the different thoughts, the different emotions, the pressing of the spirit, the reflection of our own lives before God. There is a purification process that's taking place, the washing of the water of the word, on and on and on, because we're headed somewhere. And just as he purified them, because it's necessary, this cleansing speaks to us of many things, which we'll get into here in a second. But this is what he does. Now, but then the Lord says something very interesting as he's <laughs> washing their feet. Could you read to us verse 6 and 7, Brother Jeremy? Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. That's a very unusual thing to say, and I think it's much deeper than we've ever really stopped to contemplate on, understand, and keep in mind what we're talking about here, the connections we've made with our own time and the prophetic uh, foreshadow of the actual event that took place in the life of the Lord and his disciples 2,000 years ago. The washing of the feet, Peter didn't understand it, but Jesus seems to imply that there's a prophetic connection there. Because you don't understand it now, but you're going to know later. You're going to know hereafter the full implications of what this is. So it, 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 it's quite possibly a connective statement, and I'm just speculating here, that there remains an in-time preparation for the church as much as there was for his disciples there. It's not something that was fully known then, but would be known hereafter. And then he goes on to to clarify to Peter something in verse 8. Could you, could you share that, Brother Jeremy? Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Very interesting, because again, they still don't realize where they're headed. They don't know he's about to take them to this garden, the garden of the pressing, where the precious oil is produced, where the wine of the spirit typology is produced, the wine and the oil is spirit out of a crushed and yielded life. Before that level of consecration, 
terms of a cleansing, a preparation. See, the feet were washed, and Jesus would go on and reveal that they were clean by the word he had spoken to them. And it's the washing of the water of the word. That, that's why it's so important that, especially in times that we find ourselves in right now, that we spend that time in the word, that we spend that time intimately with God. It is the, it is the uh, symbolism of the washing of the word. Many people want to go and, and they speak, you know, they speak dramatically. They speak poetically of Gethsemane, you know, and all this stuff that you could, you know, if you're an expert with words, describe and move people, you know, to contemplate what actually happened there. But the truth of the matter is, is we forget he led his disciples there. He led us all there. And in so doing, by leading his disciples, we are being told there is a Gethsemane that 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 awaits every generation and every church, but particularly the generation that would witness the return of the Lord. Now listen, this washing of the feet, he says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Paul called it the fellowship of his suffering. And this is a very holy thing that's being told here. And I want to really speak about that for a second. Because much of what we're hearing and have been hearing over the last several months in the Word as we've explored together has been leading us to this point. The impact of and the implications of and the requirement of a sustained and quality witness up under the most intense scrutiny that's coming is going to require prayer, as Jesus would say in the garden, rise and pray, lest you enter into scrutiny, temptation of the satanic sort. But before the rising and the praying, there has to be clean feet. See, this is the part that most don't like to hear because it makes them very uncomfortable. But I don't really care whether it makes you or me uncomfortable. It's the word of God. And Jesus says, if your feet aren't clean, you can't have part with me. And especially the part where I'm leading you to. Because this quality of believer, this fellowship of the early church with the end time church, this is a special breed. This is the most this is the finest moment the church has ever seen since the days of the great apostles in the early church. This is the fellowship with them that we are about to enter into. This is what's being declared not only by the great conjunction of 2020 but what was discovered in Israel. It is no accident or coincidence because there are no coincidences <laughs> in the economy of God. All things happen exactly as he wants them to. And if we're paying attention, we can understand what it is the Spirit of God is trying to communicate to us. He's forewarning us, and he's telling us, you're entering into the time of purification. You are going to be led to a Gethsemane. A lot goes on there. And that's why he tells Peter, you're going to have to have your, your feet cleansed. Where are your feet carrying you today? Where are they carrying me? Is your path cleansed and purified? Because what is being revealed here 
is that you're not going to be able to endure what's ahead if, if, if it's not, if your feet aren't washed by the Lord. This is incredible because it's not them who are washing their feet. I mean, they're not washing their own feet. It's Jesus that's washing their feet. And he wants to wash our feet right now. That's what he's telling us at the end of 2020. I believe that's what this sign in Israel is all about. On the same day that we've been talking about that the conjunction took place. Both occurred on the same day. The revelation and the declaration from the heavens of the coming wicked one. And at the same time, the discovery of the ritual bath that purifies the priests when they would go into Gethsemane. That's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples. He's washing their feet because he's about to lead them to Gethsemane. He must wash our feet. We must allow the spirit to have its have his way with us. He must wash our feet. And only he can wash our feet. Why is that? Because we will always come down on the side of leniency when it comes to the to the uh, to the extreme pressing of the spirit as he points things out in our heart, as he exposes. See, many of us don't want to go that deep at all. We hang out on the fringes. We might show up in the in the days before they shut the churches. You know, we might come once every few months, or maybe catch a you know a ridiculous sermon on TV and, and think that that's enough for our spiritual quality here. Because when it comes down to the washing of the feet, we have many of us the same reaction that, that, that Peter had. He recoiled at it. Because it's a deep and intimate thing between us and the Spirit, between us and the Lord. When he, when he takes us to that place and goes to the most, really in their day, it was the dirtiest part of them. You know, they walked those dusty streets that their, their feet were always, you know, <clears throat> being affected by, you know, the road that they traveled. Well, it's, it's, it's very symbolic about our lives, and especially now in this 21st century and now in what's happening all over the world. It's an intimacy that is very difficult for most. But you see, this intimacy is going to be absolutely vital as we close out this year to understand what is being said to us. Let me get to this place of intimacy with you. We recoil at it because it's an uncomfortable thing. In Peter's case, it was a more natural thing, right? You, you know, Lord, you know, I should be washing, or, you know, you're, you're, you're the Lord, you know, don't, 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 don't humble yourself and wash my feet. I mean, whatever the case may be, we could talk about, but yet what we have here is, is an example that we learn from. It is not it's this, I mean, they spent three and a half years with Jesus to this point. He's been intimate with him. I mean, he walked the water, for goodness sakes. You know, he's, 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 he's done powerful things with the Lord. He's walked with him, ate with him. They, they've slept together and, and traveled together across Israel. They've known each other. But, but now, this is different. This is what prophecy is all about. They're about to enter into a prophetic fulfillment that has been proclaimed since the Garden of Eden, that the Messiah and, and the fellowship with the Messiah was going to lead to these moments. It's the same thing that's been written in the Holy Scriptures concerning his church, the final church, the end-time church. 
And so we need to understand this intimacy of the washing of our feet is what we have been experiencing. It is what makes us uncomfortable, but that's the best place to be because that's the open and the honest place. When Jeremiah the prophet stood and spoke in the spirit of the Lord, he would constantly extend a hand of mercy, a hand of grace, the pleading heart of God to his people. He would say things in Isaiah like, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. But he talked about later in Jeremiah how they forsook the fountain of what? Living water. And they hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, which could hold no water. Water is purification. And the discovery of this, this bath adjoining Gethsemane from Israel, that's what he's saying. What the heavens are declaring is necessitating a serious response from his people. All too often, and let me tell you, <laughs> I better not say that, but all too often, I will tell you this, though, there is so much word that we could learn together. But there are times when bringing forth more word and more word and more word only serves to harden the heart because it almost becomes, especially in the American church, a form of entertainment. You know, it, it's the thing we like to do, our conferences, our camp meetings, our, our, our concerts. You know, oh, I like that guy. I like the way he teaches. Well, but what about his teaching has actually drawn you closer to the Lord? Or is it just some sort of fanciful, you know, <laughs> hobby that you have, whether it be prophecy or healing or prophetic utterances or whatever? Go down the list of the Pentecostal charismatic and now even the denominational world, the latest book, the latest song, the latest conference speaker. That's where we all came to at the end of 2019, and God shut it all down and began to reach to a particular group, those that he loves and those that love him. But he didn't leave them like that. He chose them. He chose you. He chose me. But he's pleading with us as we close out this year that you are headed to a Gethsemane. Now, understand Gethsemane is the place of pressing and the fragrance of the oil and the wine. It's Calvary that's and the trial before the false church, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and then the, the world government, Rome and Pilate and all them guys. That's after Gethsemane. But it's Gethsemane that's going to be the preparation, the place where things are settled. But you can't go there if your feet aren't clean. <laughs> Getting awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. Brother, all right, all these up. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> brother Marty, um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself if you have that in mind already, but we see yeah. something that took place in the chapter before. I'm not sure if you were going to go there, but if you allow me just to say this. Absolutely. Uh, the, very, the very same thing happened to Jesus mm -hmm. right before past, you know, during, when, when this woman comes in and washes the feet of Jesus. And, you know, we have a version in Luke and another one in chapter 12 of John. And, you know, they were criticizing this woman, you know, if she only knew who was this sinful woman. And, and Jesus tells him, 
you should have provided the water and washed my feet and you didn't. This woman has not stopped, you know, with her tears, you know, and her hair. She's wiped my feet. You should have kissed me at the entrance. You didn't. This woman has not stopped kissing my feet. You you should have put oil and this woman has anointed my feet. The very same thing happened happened to him and only one woman was able to discern the time that where Jesus was about to go to the get to Gethsemane. And now yeah. we see Jesus in turn doing it to his disciples. And as you've been pointing out, it's very symbolic. It is the feet that are being washed in this hour. It is the yes. feet that God is wanting to, to wash. Why the feet? In preparation for the journey to the place where we are heading, Gethsemane. Yes. God is anointing us, anointing our feet, preparing us, preparing us for this hour. See, it, it's amazing. Jesus never asks or does anything that first does not that he that, that he didn't set the example for. Yeah. Jesus allowed he allowed this woman to wash his feet. We must allow Jesus. I know it feels uncomfortable to wash our feet in preparation. I was just inspired as you were speaking, Brother Marty, of such a telling thing to be speaking about at the end of twenty twenty. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. No, man, that, that's that's really powerful what you're sharing there. And I'm almost tempted to talk about it because, you know, we began the year talking about in the Passover season was the time of the resurrection of Lazarus, right? We talked about that 2020 was also about a resurrection that was coming uh, into the lives of those who had died primarily. Uh, as we likened it to the house of suffering, right? Where, where did they live in Bethany? I think it was. Um, and and we talked about Lazarus being a type of a church that had died. It had died, and and that the Lord was going to use this event to bring glory, and 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 that He was going to resurrect the spiritual lives of many people through these events. And then we went into the part of where, in that house. Uh, there was Simon the leper and Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and they represented an end-time church, and that Mary rises and begins to anoint his feet with oil, and a fragrance fills the house. And we talked about the fact that Jesus' feet, because Jesus at that time embodied the entire church. He, he, he was the body of Christ, right? Yeah. And the fact that she rose from dinner and anointed his feet, and a fragrance filled the house, shows a church at the end of time. It was his feet she anointed. It's the last part of the body of Christ that was anointed, and thereby symbolically representing his feet or the end of time, the last church, being a church of absolute, in absolute humility and fellowship with their Lord, producing a fragrance that will fill the house, the true church, with the fragrance of the Lord. And so what you pointed out here again as he goes into the Gethsemane thing, prior to that, this precious woman comes, right? And washes his feet with her tears, his feet. And and and, and I think that that's what we're seeing is, is, is what you just said, which is a beautiful thing. And that is a church, because really, 
and in that chapter there, as you pointed out, uh, doesn't she? Uh, he says that 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 her faith. Can you read that to us? Where you were talking about? That's what we're talking about here, right? In John chapter twelve. Yes. 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 Uh, it says. Uh, careful because. Well, there in verse three, Mary, right? Yes. Took him and wiped his feet, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Mm -hmm. And then he says, and, um, and then verse four reveals something right mm -hmm. after that, right? Yes, Judas, Judas, right there. There he is. And so, wow. and and, no, and notice, <laughs> it, this occurs six days before the actual event, right? Which is very symbolic at the end of six thousand years, right? A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. You want to yes. get really deep here? <laughs> wow. No, that just that just blesses me. But but that's the that was the beginning, right? That's 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 where we started in this whole podcast of 2020. This is where Indeed. we were, right? Yes. That's excellent yes. what you pointed out. And so yeah. again, here we are. And and notice what he does. He he's actually what he's doing <laughs> is he he's beginning with. The, the fathers of the church, right? He's beginning to alert them to something. The information came to them of this Judas in this ceremony. And we're, what we're going to see here in a second, and I don't want to be too long today, but I sense his presence, you know, and, 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 and what, we're, what we're looking at here, again, is tied to this ritual bath discovered at Gethsemane on the very day of the 2020 conjunction and announced to the whole world from Jerusalem. At the same time, everybody's paying attention to the sign in the heavens from Jerusalem is sounding forth. We found a purification bath right next to Gethsemane, which validates that the gospels are true. I don't think it's any, I don't think it's any coincidence at all, which brought, brought us to, to take a look at this ritual purification. Because 2020 begins in the Passover season, and now 2020 is ending with a declaration of something that has to do with Gethsemane. It's the same pattern. But when he begins to wash the feet, he starts with those that are going to be the preachers that give birth to his church. I think that what we're seeing in that case is that the announcement is coming to his servant. Because as you rightly pointed out, Brother Jeremy, he goes on to tell them, I've given you examples that you should do one to another, right? Yeah. But we've totally missed the point in the modern church. We have foot washing ceremonies and have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. You know, oh, we should wash one another. That's what he told us to do. That's not what he's, he's talking at such a deep level, man. He's talking at such a level. He says, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but you will later. And I think we're talking about the later right now. You're going to understand this later. Jesus doesn't talk like us. <laughs> he talks like God because he is God. And so what he says is is multi-layered in its depth. And so he begins with his apostles. He begins with those that are going to be the fathers of the church. And and I I, I want to get back to this point again. The ritual cleansing before Gethsemane is necessary. You cannot go and think you're going to have an anointing, which is what Gethsemane represents. That's what we, all you got to do is look at what the Lord went through there. He was going through there for, our, for us. 
all of it. But he left us an example to follow. Take up your cross and follow me. I led you here. And this is what happened here. Things have to be settled here. And if there is not, uh, if you're not cleansed there fully in the spiritual sense, you're not going to be able to be able to say what he said. Thy will be done, not mine. How deep can we go? I mean, how deep do you really want to go? Because this scares people. But this is what separates the true from the false. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. This is what the church is headed into in 2021. You mark my word. There is a cleansing, and then there's a Gethsemane. And it's out of Gethsemane that you meet the prophetic declaration head on, because that's what Jesus did. He rose from that place and went forward and said, who do you see? He didn't run. He went right to it. And when he spoke, he was so full of the oil, hallelujah, <laughs> the oil and the wine, that it knocked them soldiers on their blessed assurance, brother. I mean, they all fell backwards, including Judas. So this is what we see, a prophecy of the fellowship of his suffering. You can't go there if your feet aren't washed. And that requires an intimate yielding. I mean, brothers, I don't, I barely like someone putting their arm around me and saying, how you doing, Brother Marty? I just get uncomfortable. I get all tightened up, right? <laughs> I'm, just, you know, I'm not that huggy-feely kind of dude, right? So it's difficult unless it's my grandchildren or my children or my wife. I'm not, you know, I'm not all relaxed when someone, you know, hey, how's it going? I love you, brother, but, you know, stay right there. That's cool. I know you love me. But <laughs> so imagine how difficult it is for someone like me to have to have someone touch my feet. Well, these are men's men, let, let alone the awe and the reverence they have for their Lord and thinking that him doing such a thing is, is beneath him. But he was trying to express something to them. He that would be greatest among you, let him become the servant of all. And and the servant is not greater than his master, he, he went on to say. But But that intimacy of allowing God to touch you in those most vulnerable and embarrassing of places is where we are. And he's going to begin with his preachers. See, preacher, everything, if you're listening and you've ever been used of the Lord to speak the word, everything is being is being challenged, brought into question. But the refining of the spirit, and look, this is this is convicting for everyone. But notice he washed each and every person's feet individually. You don't need to be looking at the brother next to you. You got enough problems on your own. And, and and it's always unique to each and every individual. He knows what you need. But he's 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 going to press you into a place of intimacy so that he can get us ready. Now, let's go on. So Brother Marty. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, it's a tremendous show of, of his servant servanthood, Jesus, in, in, in verse 7. And what amazes me is that he goes ahead and does this act of washing the feet. 
knowing that at that moment they're not going to understand how intimate and what he's doing in that moment, but at an appointed time, but thou shalt know it hereafter, it, it you know, they will understand the act and what he has done. And uh, when you begin to, to get the, the, the definition of know, is, that's is exactly what you said, brother. It, it speaks of intimacy. You know, mm-hmm. in, in Jewish idiom, it, it speaks, you know, uh, of, of, of a man and a woman coming together. You know, it's an intimacy yeah. of something that goes beyond washing. That, that's superficial, just washing your feet. I remember we right. used to do that at the church that I was growing up. And, man, yeah. after that, you know, we start gossiping. If you see his feet, if you see how crusty, <laughs> if you see how... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah. it, it, it's much more. It's much more. But it amazes me how the Lord yeah. does it, knowing that they will not understand it in that moment. But at an appointed time, they would understand, because that's what the Bible says, that after his death, after his resurrection, all the things that He Jesus taught them and the things he did, they remembered and came to remembrance. I think it's just fascinating. You know, we may not understand why, why, why we're going, why he's doing this right now, but it's for a purpose in the very near future where you'll understand yeah. why this is taking place. I just wanted to comment on that. Very powerful. Yeah, very good. Very good. So then let's c- continue. And again, don't forget, we're talking about what was discovered in Jerusalem on the same night because really what we're saying is this is where we are. This is what's being told to us. You began 2020 in the Passover season experiencing this, what's taken the globe. Go study the Passover, you're in the Last Supper. What happens there? A purification process is taking place. And we're now concluding 2020 with a declaration from Jerusalem that, that ties it to Gethsemane and, and ritual cleansing, just as it happened at the Last Supper. It is not. I don't even know if I'm saying it well, but I hope I hope you're getting what I'm saying. So listen, this is where we are. This is where we're headed. This is this is why the two are connected because of what happens now in verse nine through eleven. Can you read that, brother Jeremy? Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hand and my head. Jesus said mm-hmm. to him. He that is washed, washed, needed not save to wash his feet, but is clean every, every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So look what happens here. And this is where it connects with us as well. See, this purification leads to revelation. Revelation of something specific. The Lord's purification of them, it leads him to begin to reveal Antichrist. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hallelujah. He begins to turn their attention to you are not all clean. And notice he says that in connection with this purification. So it's something that we need to understand. Mm -hmm. 
See, the great apostle Paul told us that there would come a falling away first. I think the church has been leading that way, especially in the United States and in the West, all the way up over the last 2,000 years. And it came to, to rest on the shores of January 1st, 2020. By the time we've reached January 1st, we, we, we've become such a ridiculous <laughs> expression of what was supposed to be the church in America. Are you kidding me? It was one big Broadway show. And, and, and there was, there's no word going for it. Just a big business and a bunch of flesh and and it got shut down absolutely shut down and and then he began to to allow what we've all experienced in 2020 but but it's leading to this see the lord's purification of them leads him to begin to reveal judas right that's what he begins to do and you're not going to be able to understand. Now, I said that to say what Paul said, right? He said that except there come a falling away first. That's what he was trying to say to the church at Thessalonica. That Jesus wasn't coming back in your time. You're, you're an on fire for God church. <laughs> he goes, there's a whole church that's yet to unfold over the next 2,000 years, basically. But when it comes to the time of the end, it's been moving in this direction. He says, when the church falls away... He says, then the next step will come. There's two component pieces before the Antichrist can be revealed. The church must fall away, and then that wicked one will be revealed. And so what we see here is, is the church has fallen away, but Jesus, is, which in, in their time was really the Sanhedrin, the high priest, Judaism, the rejection of the Messiah. They built this incredible structure. He had to go in there with a whip twice at the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry, to overturn the money changers' tables, to, to claim upon them that their house had been left desolate and that he would no longer be there until they cry, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And he called them a den of thieves. He said, you've taken my father's house. You've turned it into a den of thieves. And he removes his presence for all intents and purposes. He shut the doors on Judaism at that point. I think he did that January 1st, 2020. He shut the doors on establishment religion. And now here he is, and and, and that church has <laughs> fell away. And now we're in, in the Passover, Last Supper, and he's purifying their feet. And after the purification of his feet, he begins to reveal to them that the Antichrist is at hand, really. You're not all clean. And then... From that point on, in verse 10 and 11, he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. They then begin to enter into prophetic fulfillment. And Jesus declares that in verse 18. Can you can you read verse 18, John? I mean, Jeremy? I'm just going to call you John from now on. John. Inspires. Amen. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. So now check this out. He's now taking him in an even deeper level. He's saying, look, you've been ritually purified, basically. Now he begins to say, there's someone. He wants them to begin to think about what he's about to say. Not all of you are clean. And we're not going to get into the Antichrist today at that length, but really, you know, he's basically saying... The Antichrist can be identified as someone that has hung out with you guys. 
you know. Uh, but that's for another day. But listen, and we've already talked about it. Go back and listen to our podcast yesterday and, 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 and then send me your cards and letters. But anyway, so listen, when he gets to verse 18, um, he now takes them to a deeper level of understanding and says, you are entering in to the time that prophetic scripture is being fulfilled. That's why he uses the word, um, you know, that, that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me had lifted up his heel against me. He's revealing to them they've now crossed into a prophetic time. And that's what he's revealing to us. But notice the progression of how he releases information. It begins with the washing of the feet. It, and then it, after the feet are washed in preparation of their Gethsemane, he begins to reveal to them Antichrist. He begins to show them in verse 18. Scriptures being fulfilled. And now in verse 21 and 22, can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. <clears throat> and when Jesus had thus said he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. In verse 22. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. So in seeing the Lord's troubled, what we're beginning to have understood there is that the end time church itself will experience the same thing. They're going to sense something. And, and then he begins to tell them, not only is one among them not clean, but it goes beyond that. He's going to be betrayed. And he's referencing, we know now, of course we know, he's referencing Judas, but but Judas is a foreshadow of the Antichrist, which we're going to see. And so there's a sense of foreboding that overtook the Lord. And what's very interesting is that the disciples don't even know, what is he talking about? It can't be me. You know, it can't be you. I mean, they they, they really don't know. This is how mysterious this is, but yet I want you to understand that it's triggered the event now that he's pushing them in that direction. He's wanting them to understand. He's wanting them to know, just as he is now with us. He's wanting us to know. He's wanting us to ask the question. He's, he's alerting us to the fact that he's here. And <laughs> he's going to betray me. He's, he comes from among us. He's going to be appear to be a, a, a fellow believer. He's all that stuff, you know. But but the point of the matter is, is and I want to look at it from this angle: is he's wanting them to wake up and begin to consider exactly where they are. He says that the scripture might be fulfilled, and the scripture that's about to be fulfilled is Judas is about to be exposed. Because the time has come. It's the same now. He's drawing our attention to these things because he wants us to understand that son of perdition is here. And, and, and I don't back up from saying it. Everything that we see in the scripture is shouting at us. Everything that's happening in the heavens is 
calling to us and proclaiming things to us. What we're seeing, even in the earth, just in this archaeological discovery, on the same day we've been talking about, it's all telling us something. What we've seen in 2020, what we're hearing all around us, it's shouting. And like Jesus here, he's troubled because it isn't cool, man. I mean, this isn't going to be an easy thing. He knows it. But he's trying. He's just hours away from Calvary, but he's trying to begin to alert them now. Pay attention, he's saying. He's drawing their attention to it. Now, read to us verse 23, Brother Jeremy, 23 through 27. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is, to whom I shall give a sup when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sup, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sup, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. That you do, do quickly. Well, that itself tells us, when the Antichrist is finally exposed, what comes will come quickly and rapidly. There's a couple of things we want to look at here because what we're seeing here is is the one to whom Judas was revealed first and foremost was the one that was closest to the Lord. John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's an intimacy there. The closest to the Lord, in other words, are going to begin to see first and then they'll be able to reveal it to their brothers. See, that's what happened. Peter said, ask him. Peter could have asked him, but he didn't. John was closest to him. I think that's what we're seeing, is we're seeing what the Lord is revealing here in this in this event, is that, is that there are those that are, are that intimate with the Lord, and, and, and that he's going to, if they'll ask, right? <laughs> it, it, he didn't give the answer until he was asked. Ask him. Search out these matters. Show us, Lord. Tell us, Lord. This is, now remember, this began with with the feet being washed to this point, you know. And so this is a process that we're going through, all of us right now. And and what's interesting here is that the language is used in verse 23. He's leaning on, on the bosom of Jesus. He, he hears the heartbeat of the Lord. He's, he's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's lying on his breast in verse 25. And then he asks, who is it? This is a consistent intimacy with the Lord, wherein information is given. And then information can be transferred to our brothers. He will reveal to you. Also, that day should not come upon us unaware. We are his children, and we ask, and he will reveal. That's the part uh, that, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us for. He will show you things that are yet to be. So Judas is revealed. 
And remember, Judas is a foreshadow of the Antichrist. And also remember this, brothers. I'm just going to throw it out there. This means that Judas was revealed before Gethsemane. And so he's going to go out. <laughs> what are you going to say? Uh, that's interesting. That's tremendous. Never thought about it like that. That's tremendous what you just said. Yes. Any thoughts? <laughs> you know, we're talking about where we're heading, right? We're heading into yeah. the Yes. Right? And so we're trying yeah. to make the connection here of where they were at that time and where we are at. We're at the foot of going into a 2021 and, man, what is ahead of us against the child of God. And what you just said right now, that Judas, a type of the Antichrist, was revealed before Gethsemane. That's something right. to ponder and to think about, what you just said. Yeah, and, and and what's interesting is that it appears from this uh, that no one else knew at the at that point. They would have it revealed to them in Gethsemane, but John knew it ahead of time, right? Peter, we can I assume he told Peter, but I don't know. It just simply says that Peter said, "You ask him." which talks to me in, in this way. There are people at different levels right now of understanding. Peter was one uh, who was, you know, fellowshipping with John, close enough to John, it says, to beckon him, get his attention. But John is, is, is closer yet. As a matter of fact, he's the most intimate. And the information was given to him first. So not everybody's going to have this revealed to them at first, but eventually everyone will know. And we see that here. Because in verse 28, it says what, Brother Jeremy? It says, um, now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. So that reveals to us that not everybody's at the same level of intimate revelation being given at this point they actually think in verse 29 some thought he said that to judas because he had the bag so judas has an economic component attached to him doesn't he <laughs> right. and jesus said unto him uh that's what they thought they thought jesus had said go buy something because we need something for the feast or that he should give something to the poor to the poor but he having received the sop went out immediately and it was nighttime, which is very symbolic, right? That long night we were talking about. But already, as he goes out into that nighttime, becoming this, he's fully possessed now by the devil. He's the Antichrist, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and he's got business to do, right? He's got to go corrupt the church and enter into one where he's got to lead this whole Roman government. All that stuff's going to come into play now. But... And then he's got to come and attack the Lord, right? He leads an army to the Lord, has him arrested. I mean, that, that's a foreshadow of Revelation 13, which, you know, plays out. You know, he goes forth to make war with the saints, so forth and so on for another time. The point is this. 
what we have revealed here is there will be those who know and then those who don't. They're all brothers, right? But there's different levels here. At first, they would all know soon. It wouldn't be hidden from any of them soon, but John knew. The question is, which one are we? Those that are confused and still have no clue, those who have an inkling like Simon Peter, or those who we know brothers who know. <laughs> oh, God, help us to, to be like John. Because he knew, and it was revealed to him. And I think God is revealing a lot of things right now to a lot of people all over the world. So this came before Gethsemane, right? And let's close with this, Brother Jeremy, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Could we go there, please? Because Daniel speaks of a purification, the same kind of purification we see at the Last Supper is what's predicted, a purification. Can you read that to us in, in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 9 and 10? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand so here we have it they had a purification with the washing of the feet before they went to gethsemane that's what the angel is revealing here he says there's many things that will not be understood specifically prophetically speaking until the time of the end and then he gives the list he talks about that purifying that's what jesus did was he purified them as he began to wash their feet they were made white that's what he declared right you know, you you don't need to be washing your hands and your and your head. You need to be washing your feet. Once your feet are washed, you're clean. That's the making white. And then comes the trial. That's Gethsemane. Right? That's that's if you can receive it. That's Gethsemane. It's that process. But but the purification, the making white, the cleansing, the washing of the water of the word, all of it, the intimacy, the trial of Gethsemane. It produces something. The wise. It produces the wise who understand. That's what we see in John. That's what we see in his intimacy with the Lord. And the other apostles would come to this. But this trial that we're headed into, it is meant to extract precious oil that lights the lamp of the menorah, right? I mean, it's the Holy Spirit within us. But this purification must take place first. Then comes the cleansing or the making white. Really, that word also means like altars, I mean, bricks for an altar, basically. That's what the angel was revealing. That's what they became. They became bricks for the altar, so to speak. And And the trial of our faith being more precious than gold, right? That's what that's what James called it. But what it's going to produce is what is called the wise. Those who will begin to understand what is actually happening. I think that's where we are. 
And I think that's one of the things that was being announced on December 21st with the Great Conjunction. And this further sign, which we've explored today, the discovery of Gethsemane and the ritual purification that tied it directly to the Lord on the same day. Something's being told us, and we've done our best to explain that. Is the discovery of this Gethsemane mikvah bath that we've been talking about on the same day as 2020 revealing what, what's ahead? I think so. The place of Gethsemane, the cross of Calvary, but also a great resurrection is just ahead. Question is, are we paying attention? Even so, return quickly, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. And in thy holy name we pray to thee, great Father. Amen and amen. Anything else, brothers? <laughs> oh, yes. You know, I want to leave uh, the listeners with this thought as we've been talking this hour about the purification through the washing of the feet. And I, as we read verse verse 18, where Jesus said, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. And look what he says. He that, that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. And that word heel is really the part of a foot. <laughs> and mm. this is just me interpreting yeah, this. Either you allow yourself to be washed by Jesus, or that very foot will cause you to fall. I don't know. That that's what I <laughs> that's what I what I got. This is just yeah. you know me thinking out there. But no, and it really is because that's what it, that's what he said that he had lifted up his his heel, and that's what it means. It means trickery. You yeah. know, it's a heel against one to injure one by trickery, right? So I, I just thought yeah. there's so many, so much tremendous revelation that we are, we are getting. But uh, this has been a tremendous um, study today on literally one more day before we go into uh, 2021. And I think this word was of, I know this word was of the Lord to remind us, to tell us what he wants to do in preparation to what is coming. Yes. We pray that you've been blessed today. We pray that you've been enriched and encouraged today and exhorted and challenged today, and that you may see the scriptures like never before as the Lord would want to reveal it to us. May God bless you. May God keep you. And always keep looking up.